Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This is Chris down on Bondi Beach, strolling along. The sand is now, it, we're coming towards summer. Spr first day of spring's coming up in a few weeks, hour and a week. And uh, holy moly, my feet are still freezing in the sand. It's quite extraordinary, the temperatures fluctuations with our new planetary uh, global warming and uh, El Nino and all sorts of things going on. And we seem to forget all that, of course, because we're focused on COVID and we're focused on uh, homeschooling and we're focused on Afghanistan. We're focused on the things that get our attention. I guess we're focused on things that sell newspapers or online subscriptions as it now might be better put <laughs> but it's good to remember that this planet uh, is part of a, a universe part of a galaxy part of a solar system and part of uh, a planetary Gaia they call it which is a living breathing organism called planet earth and that Although in the small space of time we get to occupy this planet, we moan and groan and grizzle about things like a terrorist bomb or a Afghanistan or, or a COVID. This living, breathing organism called planet Earth is actually doing okay has done so for billions of years and will do so for billions of years. It just won't look exactly like what we expect. <clears throat> and it's kind of like reassuring to know that. And uh, today's podcast leads in from, from that topic. And that is, how do you not care about something that you're supposed to care about? And how do you allow yourself to be part of a society that really wants to make a difference, like stop the Afghanistan war and all the horrible atrocities that take place uh, as a result of occupation by the Taliban or ISIS or whoever's there, uh, and the loss of life, which is horrifically sad and at a human level, uh, inc incomprehensibly uh, grief-ridden, at a universal level, at a Gaia level, at a living, breathing organism called the planet, doesn't matter a pinch. Uh, people have come and gone from this planet since it began, and people will come and go from this planet. And not more than two generations after their existence are mostly forgotten. There's about 20 people I bet you could name that are more than three generations gone. Uh, you know, Greek philosophers, maybe, a couple of people from the Bible, maybe. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting to have this contradiction. Uh, and uh, when people sort of say, you know, I'm having depression or I'm feeling sad or I'm not uh, being a champion that I want to be or I'm not my best self, it's because of this dilemma. How do I care but not care? When a friend 
leaves this planet or when somebody leaves home or when you don't get what you want for breakfast. All of these things matter. Of course they do. You know, what you want for breakfast is important to you. That's what you're working hard in your job to make sure you've got freedom, freedom of choice for brekkie. You've also got a newspaper sitting on your lap or an iPad telling you that millions of people are gonna die in Afghanistan very badly. You've also got a newspaper on your lap talking about how many people died this week from COVID around the world and in, in Sydney, how much lockdown we're gonna have and how that's costing and the police checking and how many kilometers you can leave from home. And these things are critical because they affect you, you, you. And then you go for a walk, your feet are cold, the sun's out, the ocean's smashing against the, the beach. Can't go surfing today. Why in the middle of September? Why in the middle of the start of spring is the surf like this? And how come it's different to last year? Oh my God, the planet is changing. I can't do anything about it, so why care? It's a very, very, very big dilemma for all of us. I found caring about the human condition, about what I have for breakfast, and uh, whether I go for a walk in the morning and what I wear in, for an ocean swim, I found that pretty important for me because uh, I don't like being cold, I don't like being unhealthy, and I don't like life when I'm not able to give and care and follow my values, do what I love, love what I do, get paid for it. I find, I find when I can't do that, caring about the planet seems to be a little bit hypocritical. Oh, I'm really worried about Gaia. I'm really worried about the living, breathing organism. I'm really worried about global warming, but I feel like shit as a person. So I, I guess we swing, don't we? <clears throat> when we feel okay as a person, when we get the breakfast we want, when we get our feet warm, when the water's flat and we can go for a swim, when, 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 then we care. So this dichotomy between me, self, and you know, for most of us, family, or for most of you out there, family uh, is self. It's hard for you to differentiate between yourself and your family. We wear the family issues, problems. We wear the f problems of our children, our spouse, our in-laws, our parents, our siblings, our cousins, our aunties and uncles. We wear their problems like a coat. And then after a little while, not very long, someone says, take your coat off and you can't work out where it starts and where it finishes. You can't work out where you are, who you is, who you is without all those people. Unfortunately for some people, or fortunately, because there's a balance, they lose contact with all of those <coughs> coats. And they suddenly go, uh, I lost in a divorce or something, I lost, really, I lost my ability to say, I am my children, I am my spouse, 
I am my aunties and uncles, and people get stripped away in some form of life challenged. And that individual tries to grab trees and global warming and grab onto things to re-identify themselves. But really the gift of it, if you, if you do ever have to go through that experience, the gift of it is knowing who you are without, knowing who you are without the jacket. Knowing who you are before you put on a coat. And that's really important because this sense of self really is easy to maintain until you attach yourself to other people. And then you say, I am how my partner feels. I am how my spouse feels. I am how my kids feel. I am how my kids perform. I am how my company performs. I am how I think. I am what I think about. I am whether I donate or don't donate to charities. I am my identity. And then it's really hard to work out where the coat is and where you are. And I think it's very important to do that. Whether it's through the loss of a family or whether it's through a deliberate conscious effort to, to know yourself. Because I think success, on the other hand, from all this, take the two topics we've talked about so far away and say, okay, I, I don't know what to do about Gaia, the living, breathing organism called the planet. Uh, I know it will, billions of people have come and gone, billions of people will come and go. Therefore, all my worries about dolphins and global warming and all this sort of stuff, it's really lo looking after itself in a, in a much bigger way than I can understand. And I, even if you don't trust that, what I've just said, uh, you can uh, really uh, understand that this planet is bigger than human beings think it is and it belongs to something that's far bigger than the planet and the thing it belongs to sits in orbit and sits in balance and sits in uh, order only because the planet's here and so it won't let the planet change but there might be a few less people on it or green grass or oceans or it might uh, transform in order to survive and stay in orbit but it will not be gone and not until it Eventually, as you know, uh, it, the, the Earth gets closer to the sun every single time it goes around it. And as it does get closer, in its closest point, uh, it eventually will implode and be sucked into the, uh, the sun's orbit. And there will be a star burst. Uh, and most of the planets, uh, most of them, I, I believe, will come into the sun's uh, explosion. And there will be a new galaxy formed and, uh, and you don't have to look far on the Hubble website to find what it looks like when a star explodes. It's pretty magnificent and it's just called rebirth. And in the Buddhist system, and the people get confused about that topic, they think you get reborn on this planet as another human being, but really it's the, <coughs> it's the death cycle, or as they call it in uh, Darth Vader, the Death Star. So getting off the topic, getting back onto the topic of finding you, finding identity. And I think it's really important to do that because any care given to another human being out of a sense of identity, identifying with them is care that's gonna get rejected. So if your true mission is to make a difference, is to care for your partner and care for your family and care for everybody, you have to do it with a, a, a sense of separation. You can't do it with, with when you think that you and them are, are one. That is a, a big mistake uh, because care given 
when self is bigger than self, when self is uh, uh, two people or four or six or 20, as it is for some people, or 50, when, 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 when somebody else's grief becomes your grief and when somebody else's happiness becomes your happiness, when the sense of self becomes expanded out to in, embrace and engage with another person, everything we give, we're giving selfishly. We're giving in a sense because it will make me feel better if my partner does this. It will make me feel better if that, that, that. And the currency becomes really uh, dirty. The, 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 the coinage or the, the, the intent becomes extremely dirty because it's, we're not really seeing that person as an individual that is on a path and we, uh, if asked, <coughs> can contribute. What we're starting to, to think is we are their path, we are their journey, we are their thing. And then our giving becomes incredibly selfish. And any giving that we give to get in that way ends up having its opposite effect. If you want to make somebody happy, you'll make them sad. If you want to make them attracted, they'll repel because there's a balance to everything. <clears throat> so unconditional or giving or parenting or leadership or whatever, or healing or helping or everything has to come from a sense of self that is, that is self-aware because then it's, we're not trying to modify something else to make us a better being. We are the being we are, whether we give or don't give. And then we choose the currency of exchange with another human being. We say, you know what? Somebody, uh, charity, puts their hand out for money. You go, you know what? I'm going to give you uh, $10. Here's some charity. And what I'll get in return is, is uh, nothing from you, but I, I will be on value. I, that will give me a sense of being on purpose, a sense of being kind. And that sense of kindness is really important to us if it's a value because that, that makes us uh, a whole. But if you give someone $10 and you expect them to say thank you as a result, then you are in an exchange with someone who's in poverty and taking from that person in poverty thank you <clears throat> as a payback. Now, people in poverty don't have a lot to give but they value the $10. So they, if, they, if they receive the $10 and they spend the $10, they're grateful for the $10. You don't have to be engaged in that transaction of, of receiving their thank you. You just have to make sure that when you give it, you know that they're thankful and that's done its work. The actual gift does its work. You don't have to receive a currency back from that person in order to say, oh, I'm so clever, look at me, I gave. I'm so powerful. And that's why tithing, uh, which I encourage for everybody, needs to be anonymous. One of the exercises we used to run in a workshop, in the Real Spirit Workshop, of which I ran, I think, somewhere in the vicinity of 3,000 of them around the planet. The, my old Re Real Spirit, one of the games we used to play at lunchtime was to get everybody to pull out a note. Usually in, in Australia, it was a $5 note. Uh, and screw it up in your hand or fold it up in your hand or put it in the bottom of your hand and walk along the street make sure nobody's watching and drop it. And people would say, oh, no, 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 that's a waste of $5. What if a really wealthy person picks it up and say, you say to yourself like this, will they be thankful for finding $5? Well, they wouldn't pick it up if they weren't thankful. So yes, so you've just caused another person to feel gratitude, have you? Yes, 
then you've cared. If caring is part of your DNA, if caring is part of the DNA of your values, then you've done your, you've done your work. You don't need to see the quality or the qualities of the recipient. You just have to know you've created gratitude in the world. So your currency doesn't come from their response. Your currency comes from knowing that you've done your value. If, if your value is kindness or caring or helping or better world or whatever it is. You, you, and that's why tithing is anonymous because you don't get ego gratification and it forces you to separate yourself from the giving. Now, all of this uh, is, is a back uh, story <laughs> to the real story of the podcast. And the real story of the podcast is a quote. And the quote is, over-specialization leads to extinction. Now, I can't imagine a more complicated simplicity of nature's universal laws than over-specialization leads to extinction. So go back, go back two and a half thousand, three thousand years. Go back two and a half, three thousand years. Go back and think to yourself, <clears throat> what was a doctor? Well, if you went to the doctor two and a half, three thousand years ago, it was an astrologer, so they understood where the moon charts and where your, where your stars were. They were a medico, so they could remove things from your body. They were a psychologist. They were a psychiatrist. They were the police. So they understood moral, moral codes. They were a, philosoph a philosopher, so they understood the universal laws. And so a doctor going back a long time ago had to be a specialist in all the seven areas of life. So they were not over-specialized in one of the seven areas of life and therefore they were what's called holistic, as is my coaching, holistic. Which means they know that your health is impacted by your mind, your mind is impacted by your relationships, your relationships is impacted by your career, your career is impacted by your social uh, network, your ne social network influences your spirituality and your spirituality uh, influences whichever one, finances. And so they didn't specialise, they said you're a whole thing and therefore the doctor or the medico or the giver or the, the uh, uh, whatever they called them, the healer, in those days, understood the seven areas of life, they weren't specialized. But now, if you go to the doctor, you go to a foot doctor. Now that foot doctor, typically, and I don't mean to cast dispersions on foot doctors or podiatrists, but that foot doctor doesn't know a whole lot about your brain. Typically, I'm not saying all, typically, that foot doctor doesn't know a whole lot about your brain. So they don't know if you've got brain cancer while they fix up your planter wart on the bottom of your foot. They have no idea. And really, to a certain extent, they don't care because they're specialised in foots. So they remove your plantar wart and meanwhile that brain cancer tumour grows bigger in your brain or your prostate or wherever it is. The foot doctor doesn't know anything about money management except for their own business area. So they don't discuss that or negotiate that with you because you go to a financial uh, planner for your money management. The financial planner that you go to doesn't know much about health or hasn't studied health and therefore doesn't understand the relationship between 
uh, self-worth, health, money-making, and uh, finances. They don't understand. They understand the difference between lifestyle and wealth creation. They do. They understand that. That's their job. That's their specialty. And they understand the stock market, or they understand uh, uh, gold bars, or they understand uh, Bitcoin or something. They understand real estate. So they understand a specialized area of money making. So you go to a particular uh, financial management manager to uh, invest your money, but you'll go down a certain path based on what that uh, money manager thinks is best for them, for the world. So over-specialization. And we're getting more and more specialized because now we've got people who can um, even modify our DNA which means they're so specialized, they don't give a shit about your spirituality, your relationship, your, your finances. They, they modify your DNA. COVID injection. Because they're worried about something else. So it's very important, I think, to realize that 99.9999999% of the information you receive through podcasts, and online information and YouTubes and TED Talks is specialized. The person who's talking doesn't give a shit or doesn't know about the other six areas of your life. And in the area of the life that they're specialized in, that they're talking about, they are the guru on a particular aspect of that particular part, of that particular area, of that particular part, of that particular thing, in that particular aspect of your particular life. But when you start to think, I can invest money and become wealthy without investing in your, in your sense of taking the coat off and having a sense of self, people start to develop a sense of self based on the money. So they actually say, I'm going to hook myself onto the money. But next thing you know, nature gives them a little bit of a handshake. And they go, oh, geez, I've got this lump in my uh, balls, or I've got this lump on my knee, or I've got this lump. And suddenly their health is uh, pear-shaped, but the sense of self is attached to the money. They think, how can all this money buy me out of this problem? Which sometimes it can and sometimes it can't. <clears throat> so I, I think it's really important to see that whether you like it or not, whether nature, whether you subscribe to this mission or not, somehow, somewhere along the journey of your life, you will know self you will know this thing called you. And with that knowledge, and with that knowledge of self, you will leave this planet having modified that thing called the self. You will have evolved it. And all the people around you, your kids and your family and your extended family, your aunties and uncles and aunt, won't have. They don't modify because you modify. They're all their own selves. So all the grains of sand, if you pick one up and take all the other grains of sand away, is, is a unique entity in the universe. And that grain of sand is being watched, is being, is critical. It's critical to the beach, so it is critical to those things around it. Because if one grain of sand evolves, all the grains of sand must. And that's how it works. So with this conversation, I think it's really important just to realize that over-specialization leads to extinction. 
we are seven areas of life. And when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're looking at your, you know, your, whether you need a podiatrist or a, or a hip doctor or whether you're looking at a financial planner or whether you're looking at your relationship with another person or your kids, it's really important to define self as seven areas of life in balance. When we talk about balance, we're not talking about balancing your health with your money. We're not talking about balancing your work with your sitting around doing nothing time. We're not talking about working hard and then giving yourself credit so that you can sit around watching TV with your spouse. This is not balance. This is imbalance, perfect imbalance. This is transference. Balance is when you go to work and you come home and you don't need to sit around watching TV to relax because work is relaxed and intense. And you realize that your relationship with another person is going to be relaxed and intense. And you realize that your sport is going to be relaxed and intense. And the sitting around time, which is extreme counterbalance to uh, standing around time, is actually not balancing your life at all. It's causing a problem. That sitting around and calling it balance is causing a problem. Sitting around kills more people. Sitting around kills more people than anything else on the planet, more than COVID ever will, and car accidents and aeroplanes and, and, uh, and uh, ta Taliban attacks and, and ISIS bombs and, and, uh, and whatever, and cancer and whatever. Sitting around kills more people. And yet we call it balance. We say, I'm sitting around with my spouse. I'm sitting around with my kids. I'm sitting around watching Netflix, relaxing to recuperate after work. Now that just shows incompetence. It doesn't show anything to do with wisdom about recovery, rebalancing or, re or self thing. It's just saying, I feel really guilty having worked hard and now I want to pay it back. Now guilt is not necessarily the smartest emotion on earth. In fact, it's one of the dumbest. It goes hand in hand with fear. The more guilt you have, the more fear you have. And so we don't, uh, but, but we, we seem to have found a way to say, if I sit around with my spouse, if I sit around with my kids, I am recovering from my work, I'm giving them what they want, and therefore I, the merged sense of self, am balanced. I'm balancing my life because I worked really hard this week and I need to give my family a really lot of sitting around or playing in a park. I need to give time. And when we use time as a metric for balance, we are really, really in the poo. We are really, really making one of the grossest and biggest and most horrible mistakes of our life. Time is not a healer. Healing is the instantaneous recognition that crisis is the blessing. Balance is in the moment. Balance is in your work, not outside of it. Balance is in your family, not outside of it. And this balance we seek, which is like, I'm gonna work my ass off for five days and balance it by spending time with the family on the weekend, is ignorance, is absolute ignorance. And it causes a lot of distress. It means people feel abandoned for five days and they feel over-smothered for two. They're not sure who they are either because it, it, it's basically you're justifying the fact that you burnt yourself out for five days and you, you've got no energy or not much energy left for work for the two. So you embrace the family and say, okay, kids, let's go down the park. But what you're sort of saying is, 
I need time out, and so I'll spend it with you to justify it. Over-specialization leads to extinction. And when a person's over-specialized and defines themselves as somebody else, firstly, secondly, when they're over-specialized and they define their work as their work and they try to counterbalance it with something else, they are over-specialized. They over-specialized for five days and then they over-specialized for two. We are who we are. We're balanced. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 60 minutes an hour, 60 seconds a minute, thousand nanoseconds per, per uh, second, we are balanced. We're never out of balance. Sometimes we don't feel that way. Sometimes we act stupid. Sometimes we act like we're out of balance. Sometimes we think we're out of balance, but we're not out of balance. We're only off track when we're working on low priorities. This is not a topic about balance. It's a topic about prioritization. When we work on low priorities, we feel like shit. And then we feel like we need to go and work on high priorities, which is something like the family or something like our health. So we go, I work on low priorities and then I go and work on high priorities. So if the company gives us a job to do, like, would you please do your expense report? And you go, that's a low priority shit thing. I'm gonna do that all Friday afternoon. And now, oh God, I feel like shit. What am I gonna do Friday night? I'm gonna work on a high priority, like drink or be with my spouse. And these things, this vacillation of prioritization is how we try to play the game of feeling good. And we call it life balance. It's not life balance. It's ignorance. It's unconsciousness. It's stupid. And it causes people a lot of trouble. It causes divorces and it causes kids to get messed up and it causes us to fail. And it is not, as I call it, the champion mindset. The champion mindset is a lifestyle. The lifestyle is working on high priorities. Link it or sink it. It's very easy. I've gone for a walk this morning. I've talked on a podcast. I've given my values. Read, write, travel, speak. What am I doing right now? Speaking, traveling. I, I stay at the start of my podcast. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. That means I'm traveling around the planet while I stand on Bondi Beach doing a podcast. So my priorities and my values are totally in sync. So I don't have to go home and do something to counterbalance going to the beach, like work hard because I had some time off. Time off is actually uh, for, for silly people. And then we say we want to be a good leader or a powerful leader or a high performer. And then we have a lifestyle which completely contradicts it. We go, I want to be a high performer at work, but I want to sit around watching Netflix. I want to watch YouTube till midnight. We want to Oh, we can't differentiate between ourselves and another. We want to sit around and define ourselves as a, a, a person who works on low priorities and then be a champion as a result. Which is not going not to happen, is it? That's not a champion. And we diminish the definition of a champion. Champions in this world, people who, who surf for... for 20 years and be world champion 13 or 14 times. People who go to five Olympics and win gold medals and medals for five Olympics. These people, they don't have a champion mind. They have a lifestyle of a champion. Sacrificial. If you go into the lifestyle of those people, 99.9999, the same percent as uh, can't define themselves as self. 
can't differentiate themselves. 99.999% of champions, if you went and looked at their lifestyle, you would not do it. They train every day away from their kids. They have a spouse who doesn't look for so-called equality of how much time you spend with the kids and how much time you spend with work. They have a spouse who says, I love being with a person who's an athlete and I love being with a person who wants to be a champion and I will pay the price because that's, that makes me happy. Well, some of them, if you look at Anna Mears or any incredible Australian uh, hero who is just beyond measure one of the greatest athletes ever come out of this country and a cost to her, which is brain damage from a, from a bike crash, brain damage. Is the, is the lifestyle. It's willing to sacrifice uh, her low priorities, which, which for her, in a sense, was her, uh, this uh, ability to remember uh, numbers or things, sacrifice, uh, and her partner blew up before, an, before the Rio Olympics and, and, and ran away. Because why? Because the lifestyle of an athlete is incredible. Incredibly, uh, uh, is a champion. There's, there are those people who will, will, will be great leaders of business and great leaders and great champions. And there are those people who will vacillate and go, well, I want a happy family and I want to be a champion. And they don't understand. They haven't written down the cost of the championship they, they're going into win. They haven't written down. They haven't written down the cost. They've written down the benefit They've written down the upside. Oh, I want to be a champion in business so that I can be a CEO and I can be the best CEO there is around. But they haven't realized that the CEO of a business is going to work probably six days a week. They're probably going to worry a lot about the hundreds of people that come under their employ and their guidance and their leadership. And they're not going to be there to watch their kids grow up as much as they want. But they say, oh no, I've got this deluded picture of what it looks like to be a champion. I've read about it. I've read uh, um, about Steve Jobs or, or Richard Branson. I've read about these guys living on islands and doing this. No, no, no. These people are talking about where they've come to when they became a champion and retired. But if you read the journey of Richard Branson to become on an island sitting around making a fortune from running little workshops with other business people and how many times he went bankrupt and how many times he was borrowing money off people and how many times he was begging so that he didn't get uh, completely um, uh, uh, in jail and how many times um, Steve Jobs went into depressions and, and, and uh, chronic fatigue and how many times he fought in court to deny the existence of a child uh, that he that he uh, sired. You know, ha, 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 you want to you want to be these people. You got to you got to read the backstory. Not just specialization leads to extinction. Not just read oh, Richard Branson's living on an island and really it goes kite surfing and I want to be that guy because that's the result of being a leader. No, it's not. It's the result of sacrifice. It's cost him. It's cost him. You only have to get close to him and talk to him about the cost and look at the wrinkles on his face. 
to see that he's actually reached a point and said, you know what, that's enough. I don't want to be a leader anymore. I want to be a social media expert and have somebody else, which he does, run my businesses and I want to sit over here all safe and sound having drawn out enough money to live for the rest of my existence times 10. That's not the journey. That's specialised book writing. That's over-specialised people thinking that they can carve out their work area of the seven areas of life, do really great in that and not have it impact the other seven areas, six areas of life, which is freaking stupid when you think about it. And to be a champion, you have to be selfish. You have to say, I want to be the world's number one blur. And you go, well, whatever the cost, I'll pay it. I'll go anywhere, do what it takes, and give what it needs to be given in order to fulfill my journey of love on this planet. Well, I stand here before you today on Bondi Beach, probably, at, if I'm lucky, with 10 years to live, maybe a bit more, if I'm lucky. I've burnt through relationships. My kids grew up without me. I've got a metal spine. I'm not, I don't own an island. But you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. Because this is the champion lifestyle. I'm on holiday 24-7. 24-7, I'm on holiday. I don't do work. I don't do family. I don't do seven areas of life. I do life. I don't attach myself to somebody else and say, if that person's happy, I'll be happy. I say they're responsible for their happiness. It costs. It costs. So when we talk about a champion's mindset, we really do, we really do go into the world of specialization. We say the difference between me and a champion is what they think. And that's absolute rubbish. It's their lifestyle. And their lifestyle, as you well know, includes all seven areas of their life. There is a guy who rode, Tompkin, who rode for Australia in the Olympic Games, five Olympics, many gold medals, considered to be an absolute genius in his field. But if you think about his life and his lifestyle and you meet him, sure, 
He had a champion brain. He knew how to suffer pain. He knew what he wanted. He knew his goal. He knew his purpose. But if you follow his lifestyle, you say, he trained five hours a day for 20 years in a rowing boat or a gym. So therefore he wasn't with his family, he had a job. He had a spouse who loved what he did and wanted to be basically a single parent for most of the time. They didn't want to be equal. They didn't want to be equal. They wanted to be pretty much a single mum with their friends. And they were content and happy with that mission for 20 years. This is a lifestyle. This is choices. But what we get is people saying, I want to be a champion. And their partner says, well, I want to be a champion. Oh, and we want to have kids. Oh, so now two people in one house want to be a champion and have kids and then start negotiating who should stay home to be the most champion or the least champion. That's not how it works. That's not the lifestyle of a champion. Business or health, if you want to be the world champion surgeon, man, can you imagine how many hours you spend in surgery, in study, in research, and once upon a time, in learning, in traveling, in, in, in developing the latest technology, in negotiating with clients about life and death. Can you imagine how much time that person spent? And then their partner at home says, oh, by the way, I want to be a champion too. So you have to come home and look after the kids while I go and be champion. They go, no, no, no. That's not a lifestyle of a surgeon who becomes a world level champion. It's a different. That negotiation doesn't take place. Sometimes we've got what we want and we don't know it. Sometimes we've got what we don't want and we don't know it. The most important thing here is over-specialization leads to extinction in definition of self. But like all corporate training and like all self-education and like all self-awareness that I'm sharing with you on this podcast right now, like all of it, there's a but. And the but is this. I've just spent 20 minutes talking about over-specialization leads to extinction in defining self, in lifestyle management, in champion mindset. But, but, here's the but. You want to make money in business. If you want to be a world champion, there has to be one thing that you do specialize in. because that's how you monetize. That's how you win gold medals, by specializing in something while defining yourself as not specialized. Now, if that's confused you, you'll really understand why corporate training messes with people's heads, because they want to give you something that's true generically across all the platforms of life. Like, for example, know your strengths, set goals, but if you would take that mindset that they teach you in corporate and apply it at home, you're going to fail. And so there's a way to monetize things, which means the external values, your uh, extrinsic goals, your extrinsic values, there's a way to monetize and build up 
your primary goal by specialization. The specialist gets paid more, always. The specialist wins the competition, always. The specialist is the world champion, always. In one thing that they monetize and they want to win. But if they define themselves in a, in the, as, the, as the self, the internal intrinsic goals, the intrinsic values, if they define themselves by the thing that's outside them, then they're a specialist both in self and in doing. And that will lead to failure. You can understand here why TED Talks and what have you that's free and podcasts like Gro Grogan or whatever his name is and Anthony Robbins talk about something specialised. It's just too complicated to communicate the diversity of considering your intrinsic self who's inside you and the extrinsic self what you focus on. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.